0: verse 35 i want to say thank you to everybody that's been helping in the kitchen it is appreciated very much Amen. and it's easy to get bogged down with the busyness of it all and forget the spiritual application of know that we're not just fighting a physical battle, but we're fighting a spiritual battle. That's right. Which is why it's so important to be in church on nights like tonight. Well, every night, but especially tonight because this can happen any night. And I don't know about you, but I feel more liberty and more freedom and more strength and more peace and more joy now than I did when I got to church. I was feeling a little wore out before church, but now I feel like I could jump over a wall and run through a troop. Why? Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony Come on when God moves for one of us God's moving for all of us We're part of the same body So when God healed Sister Kathy we could say God thank you for healing my body Because we're all part of the same body. God, thank you for healing my body. I just feel like preaching tonight. You asked my family the other night, I said, Man, I feel like I, I feel like I haven't preached at home forever. Well, it's just the beginning. He said, oh, it's been a week and a half. I'm glad somebody's keeping track. No, I'm just kidding. She wasn't. She was with me. So I'm not going to be here this weekend. So I'm preaching down south. And then the next weekend, Brother Jeremy Wilbanks is going to be with us, and I'll be here, but you're not going to hear me preach. So you come ready for a move of the Holy Ghost on Sunday, just like we've had tonight, yes. and better. Man, God's moving. God's moving. Matthew 9 and verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages. Well, Paul's right there. That that kitchen's getting really close. It's getting so close. It's looking so good. We're going to be working in there after church tonight. If you need to run home and change, if you feel like coming back and helping, we'll find something for you to do. You can stand there and tell us jokes as long as you're not in the way. <laughs> sorry, Craig. No offense. He helped me a lot last night. And Jesus went about all the cities. Man, I keep forgetting stuff. I'm sorry. we got to have the kitchen done because we're having a memorial service on Saturday for Kristen's dad, Tammy's husband, Berto's, Grandpa, it starts at 11 o'clock on Saturday. So if you can be here to show support, please do so. We need a kitchen. Before then. It's, It's very close. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, I promise. If that's not it, I'll save everything else for the end of service. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, in preaching the gospel of the kingdom. How many are thankful for the gospel of the kingdom? And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Verse 37, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest or to the Lord of the harvest or that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into his harvest. How many are ready to see the harvest? I'm ready to see the harvest. I am ready to see the harvest. We're going to preach tonight with the Lord's help. The Lord of the harvest. The Lord of the Let's put our Bibles down. Let's go before the Lord in prayer tonight. Lord, I love You and I thank You. I praise You. I magnify Your name. God, I give You thanks. I give You honor. I give You praise. God, I pray that Your Spirit would be in this place tonight. God, I pray that You would move in every heart, in every mind, Lord, I pray that you would have your way in our city. God, that you would move in this region, through this people, for this people. God, we love you and we thank you for all that you have done for us already. God, I thank you for healing Sister Kathy. God, I thank you that your healing virtue still flows. That, God, you're not just doing it elsewhere. You're not just doing it in other churches, in other states, in other countries. But, God, you're doing it for us because we're part of the body. And so, God, we're carrying that faith over toward your word because we want to hear what you have to say to us tonight in the name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' and why don't you clap your hands one more time? you can be seated tonight the lord of the harvest Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35 gives us some insight into the ministry of Jesus it says that at this point in his ministry Jesus is going about all the cities all of the villages He is teaching in their synagogues. He is preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And while he is preaching the gospel of the kingdom, he's going about healing every sickness and every disease that is among The people. There was no disease that could be untouched by the Master. There was no sickness to which he could not respond with healing. There was no situation that he did not have the answer for. But Jesus is going about teaching in all of the cities and in all of the villages He's preaching the gospel and he's healing and every sickness he's healing, every disease. But everywhere he goes, the Bible says that he's seeing folks that had needs everywhere. There was no city, there was no village that he went to that had everything all together. But every city and every village had its own set of problems. But every time Jesus walked in, the answer... For every one of those problems in every one of those cities had just stepped onto the scene. Whereas before he entered into the city, before he entered into the village, now I know you're not going to get quiet on me as I'm preaching tonight. Before he stepped into that city and before he stepped into that village, they did not have the answer to their situation. They did not have the determining factor for their dilemma. They did not have the the, the the answer for the sickness, the cure for the disease. But as soon as Jesus Christ stepped in, As soon as Jesus stepped into that village, the answer for the problem had arrived. As soon as he stepped into that situation, as soon as he stepped onto their street, the answer for everything that they had been facing had just arrived. In every city, in every village, Jesus saw the need and he responded. How did he respond to the need? He responded, first of all, before he ever healed their body, before he ever healed the disease, he preached to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. He responded to the circumstance by giving them the gospel. When you go into work and they have a problem, you can respond by giving them the gospel. Your world's fallen apart. He was bruised for your iniquity. We don't serve a God who is far and separate from you like the agnostic would have you believe. We don't serve a God like most of the founding fathers of America believed that He was. That He was there, He existed, but He was far separated from His people. But we serve a God who has been touched by the feeling of our infirmity. By his stripes you are healed what are you doing when you say things like that pastor we're preaching the gospel why because the gospel of jesus christ is his death it is his burial and it is his resurrection I know right now co-worker you might be dead in your trespasses and in your sin I know you might be wounded I know you might be bleeding but I serve a God who is well acquainted with grief and he was sent to bind up the brokenhearted. how? through his death through his burial and through his resurrection I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also God wants the broken to live in his presence so they don't have to remain broken any longer. Everywhere he went, he saw people in need. Everywhere he went, he responded the same way. He preached to them the gospel. Healing every sickness. Healing every disease. When he saw the multitudes, that's a lot of folks. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. That did not literally mean that they were passing out or losing consciousness. But they fainted means that they were distressed. They were helpless. They were weary. Life had chewed them up and spit them out. Life had been grinding them to powder. And when he saw multitudes of people that were living in that spiritual and physical condition, he was moved with compassion. There was a stirring deep within his guts that caused him to respond. It caused him to take notice. They're fainting, they're distressed, they're helpless, uh, they're wearied. The New Living Translation puts verse 36 uh, this way. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. The English Standard Version says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. They had been used. They had been abused. They had been poked. They had been prodded. They had been jabbed at. They had been run from pillar to post. They had no place to call their own. They were under the iron thumb of the Roman rule. But Jesus looked At them, and he said, What the devil meant to get you down and to get you out is really preparing your eyes to be opened to the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is why, brothers and sisters, let me preach to you on this Wednesday night that while we live in the world, we are not of the world. I understand that things are heating up and we're not making light of that, but I believe that the church ought to seize the opportunity. I said the church ought to seize the opportunity that we would look out upon our world with the understanding that God is truly God, a great harvest. There is a harvest. Verse 37, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. There were less laborers than there were those souls that needed to be harvested. And so don't feel out of place because you live different than the world lives. The laborers have always been fewer than those that need harvested. But just because we may be fewer in number does not mean that we are powerless does not mean that we have the, uh, the choice to just sit idly by. If it means anything, uh, it means that we ought to put our work boots on. We ought to grab the sickle. We ought to grab the rake. We ought to grab the tractor keys and head out to the field because God needs me in the field. The harvest truly is plenteous. The laborers are few. Now, in our American culture, our American mindset, this may strike you odd. So prepare yourself. This may wound your pride. The term laborers is referring or referencing a workman, especially a worker in agriculture. It's a big deal, pastor. But it it, it stands in stark contrast. A laborer, a workman, as opposed to a craftsman. Everybody loves the work of the craftsman who has more control over his craft and can spend time fine-tuning his skill. And if something isn't just right, then he can throw something away and put something else in its place. He can manipulate it because it's his vision. The vision came from his own mind. But ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, we tonight are not living in the kingdom of God according to our own Vision, And so it may seem to be derogatory to be looked at as a workman instead of a craftsman. But the craftsman is serving his own vision. You and I tonight are not serving our own vision. We're part of the kingdom of God. We're not interested in working for our own harvest, but we are working together for His harvest. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I come to preach tonight and I'm not going to be much longer. I've got a lot more notes but I'm feeling the Holy Ghost bumping me and nudging me. I know what it looks like sometimes. I know how it feels sometimes which is why it's so vitally important that we're not hanging around the wrong field. we don't just go work in any old field. But we go where God says to go. And we do what God says to do. And I can't compare my field to somebody else's field. Now that's a hard one. I said that's a hard one. But God didn't call me to somebody else's field. God called me to this field. Maybe I should stop here and pause for commercial break to tell you that yeah, I'm preaching out a little bit. That doesn't mean I've forgotten you. That doesn't mean God's calling me to somebody else's field. God's called me to this field, so don't you worry about any of that. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He will send forth laborers into His... Harvest. You see, he is the Lord of the harvest. In my mind, I can imagine him being like Boaz, who has got reapers and he's got workers. And then there's the maidens there that are gleaning in his barley fields and his wheat fields. And, and they are there and they're working and so on and so forth. But, but Boaz is overseeing all of it. It is his field. And while there are workers there, it is His harvest. And so He's sending out orders. He's making sure everything is in line. He's making sure that they have what they have need of. He's making sure that they've got the right tools for the job. He's not calling them because they're qualified. He's calling them and then making sure that they're qualified after they've been called. Let me tell somebody tonight who's feeling like you want to do some work for God, but you don't quite know where, and you don't quite know how let me tell you just get in the field and start winning souls get in the field and start teaching Bible studies and God will qualify you it doesn't take a whole lot. It takes knowing the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how he started every miraculous scene. That's how he started every great revival. You got to know who I am. You got to know what I've done and you got to know how it applies to your life. I've come to tell somebody tonight, we got to pray, God, make me a laborer. God, make me a harvester. He's the Lord of the harvest. But He's not walking in shoe leather. So He said, I gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work, man, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so what I need to understand is that revival, can anybody spell revival for me? Sorry, you're wrong. Thank you, Sister Angie. She got it. She caught it revival. Yes, the word revival is R-E-V-I-V-A-L. Revival. But it's really spelled W-O-R-K because I got to be willing to get down in the trenches. And this is what conferences don't teach you. My wife and I had this very discussion with Brother and Sister Elder on Saturday night. said, so this is what revival, I'm sorry, this is what conferences won't teach you. What you and I are doing right here and right now, this is really kingdom business. Yeah, it's fun to go to conferences and it's fun to go to camps and it's, it's fun to go to peak and so on and see our friends and get a, a boost of faith and come back ready to to spit nails at hell and all all of those things. But what happens between conferences is I gotta get down in the trenches and I gotta be willing to put my boots on. I gotta be willing to put my work clothes on. I gotta be willing to get some dirt underneath my fingernails. That's right, Brother Stratton. i got to be willing to hook up a van to a janky trailer and, and drive across town to help a family that can't hardly speak my same language move. That's work. That's revival. I know it felt like picking up a few dressers and a couch and, and some clothes and, and playing a funny joke and having fun and cutting up. But what it was, was revival. What it was, was winning souls. What it was, was working the field. What it is, is I'm doing the work of the laborer because there's not a whole lot of us out there many are called but few are chosen I wonder if he's scanning the fields if he's looking out to see who's praying who's fasting who's teaching a bible study who's worshiping, who's praising Who's sharing the gospel at the table? Who's witnessing to their coworker, who's preparing the atmosphere in praise and worship? Who's praying? Who's crucifying their flesh? who's sanctifying their flesh? Who's getting in the altar? Who's helping? That's doing the work of the kingdom. I got to get my hands in the dirt. God send forth laborers. Jesus said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth laborers into his harvest because harvest time was always characterized by urgency. Harvest had to be gathered before the fruit would fall to the ground. So the harvesters had to be skilled in harvesting effectively and quickly. They had to be able to understand I can't just sit around all day waiting on the weather to change. Because if I'm just watching the skies, I'll never do anything. If i got my eyes glued to the radar, I'll never do anything. If, I gotta, if, if, if I'm constantly worried about this or, or that, then, then I, I won't do anything for the kingdom because it will never be convenient. It will never be easy. On my flesh man then maybe I'm not this isn't gospel I'm just asking maybe I'm just stating I'm not even asking you don't even have to answer but maybe my barometer on whether or not I should go and do and be is if it really challenges my flesh I should probably do that I just don't know that God's gonna call me to sit in the easy chair No, I, and we, we look at, at people that have large churches and large assemblies. And maybe you don't. Maybe it's just... But we think, man, these folks have got it all together, but you don't see the fact that Nate Wilson's building fell down three times. You don't see the fact that he had bad experience the, experiences with contractors and bad experiences with with weather and bad experiences with the city. And yet, you don't see the fact that they had to walk into a boardroom somewhere in on the island of Honduras and, and get nose-to-nose with mobsters in order to build a Hope Corps center for us to send our young people to in the, on the island of Roatan. It wasn't just a physical thing. And he, walked, he said, you don't know who you're messing with. You don't know who you're talking to. He's talking to the cartel. That's not facetious. He really was. Everybody sees a little pretty building over in Roatan. They don't see that. They don't see the times when when Steve and De'Ara Buxton are parked in a camper and he's got to sell family heirlooms to buy his boys one Christmas present. They're living in a camper. They just see Hill They don't see $60,000 lawyer bills from fighting to get stuff pushed through uh, and trying to build a church and doing this. And so you can't just look at at what's out there. you got to understand that they were in the same position that you and I are, but the reason that it's looking the way that it is is because they pushed through. It's because they pushed on. because they kept plowing it's because they kept harvesting because they understood i gotta do the work of the lord while it's still day because night's coming when nobody's gonna be able to work i've come to encourage somebody that's feeling a little down tonight you keep pushing and you keep praising and you keep working What's that, Pastor? That's the sound of harvest. We gotta keep pushing. We gotta keep plowing. We gotta keep cutting. We gotta keep bailing. We gotta keep working. I said, we gotta keep working. We gotta keep witnessing. We gotta keep teaching. We gotta keep knocking on doors. We gotta keep handing out flyers. We gotta keep giving out business cards. We gotta keep running bus routes. We gotta keep preaching. We gotta keep sweeping floors. We gotta keep cooking breakfast. We gotta keep cleaning toilets. We gotta keep painting walls. We gotta keep driving nails. We got to keep hanging sheetrock. Jesus, help me, we got to keep laying tile. We got to keep framing walls. We got to keep laying trim. Jesus, help me, we got to keep installing crown molding. We got to keep shoveling snow. We got to keep putting out salt. We got to keep changing oil. We got to keep rotating tires. We gotta keep cutting the grass. We gotta keep getting the mail. We gotta keep weed eating. The thing I'll do, I'm sweeping those spirits out. Hey, I just. I just gotta keep doing it. Every, everywhere you put your foot, there's, there's victory there, there's spiritual victory there. I wonder what would happen if, when the weather gets nice, we instead of just walking around the sanctuary praying, we started walking around the parking lot praying. They, well, they're going to think we're crazy. They already think we're crazy. It's not going to hurt my pride anymore to watch them drive by and look at me. Go ahead, pound it a few times, son. You need to. Pick it up it. You got to keep pounding drums. You can do it harder than that. Put the bacon into it. Come on. Harder. There you go. That's better. A little bit harder. Come on. Oh, I don't really want to pound the drum, Pastor. I look a little silly when I do it like that. I look a little silly when you call me up. Maybe it's time we ought to look silly. Maybe it's time we put our pride on the line. Maybe it's time we say, hey, guess what? I'm going to live for God, and I'm going to take somebody with me. I'm going to work the field. I'm going to win a soul. Nobody runs the aisles alone, and nobody goes to heaven alone. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest. God, what am I seeing? I'm seeing a bunch of laborers. I'm seeing a bunch of workmen. I'm watching them grab the sickle. I'm watching them grab the shovel. I'm watching them grab the baler. We're getting ready to have a harvest because we got some folks getting their faith built back up. It's time. It's time. Come on, somebody lift your voice right now. I'm leaving a legacy of spiritual victory. I'm, do- I'm going to leave a mantle of anointing. For the next generation, I'm going to win the next preacher. I'm going to win the next Sunday school teacher. I'm going to win the next pastor. I'm going to win an evangelist. I'm going to win a missionary. I'm going to win the next church grounds groundkeeper. I'm going to win the next janitor. i win the next drummer. I'm going to win the next bass guitar player. I'm going to win the next guitar player. While I'm at it, I'm going to win a whole orchestra. I'm going to win a brass section. I'm going to win a string section. God's going to help me find an organ player. I'm going to win some crazy praisers because when I bring them to church, they're going to learn from me that we don't sit down and be quiet. We don't go silently, but we crank it up. We take it up. We put the pedal to the floor because he's the Lord of the harvest and he's equipping us so we can equip them. Somebody ought to start praying, God, send us laborers. God, make us laborers. God, send us laborers into the field. Every hand is needed for reaping. Every hand is needed for the harvest. i got to get my hands in it. i got to get involved in the harvest. I want to win a soul this year. I want to win two souls this year. I want to win five souls this year. I believe you can do it. I believe God can help you start a group Bible study. I believe God can use you to start a satellite church. I believe God can use you to start daughter works. How do you know that pastor? Because he's the Lord of the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. And he looked out on the field and he said it's white all ready to harvest. That means if somebody doesn't move quick we're going to miss it. And we don't want to miss it. I said, we don't want to miss it. Somebody ought to lift your voice. Somebody ought to start praying for the harvest. Somebody pray for the harvest. God help me to win the souls. God help me to be the harvester. Come on, you got everything that you need. You got the death, the burial, and the resurrection. You've been filled with His Spirit, baptized in His name. Come on, that's it.